Welcome to Angel Wing Podcasts. Today, Dr. Chetna Krupalu examines the distinction and the difference between concentration and attention. This is a very interesting topic with regards to self-mastery, personal development, and, and ultimately human transformation, which are big goals of the Angel Wing program. So please do visit our website, uh, www.theangelwing.com. And with that intro, I'll turn it over to Dr. Chetna to give some initial thoughts about this and we'll enter into a dialogue. Hello everyone. I'm Dr. Chetna Kripalu and we're going to look at what does attention mean or what does attention what bring what what kind of emotions or things come up when I say attention? and concentration so attention and concentration sounds the same but there's a subtle difference between the two and what is that so in my experience and from the knowledge i have gained and more so from more like introspection attention is more like awareness so it is being in the moment and being present with that moment in that moment completely that means let's say i am in a conversation with somebody and i am completely in the conversation without my mind going elsewhere but i'm one with the conversation i'm one with what i'm saying i'm one with the other person what they're saying so completely in the moment and in the action so that's what attention means to me yes um, so in listening to your uh, description when the word concentration comes to mind the word focus also comes along that we're focusing on something concentration uh in my mind refers to a focused form of form of uh, energy that deliberately placed for a specific purpose right so that would be concentrating it's so a concentration refers to something being concentrated it's interesting right so what is being concentrated we can talk about that concentrate the word concentration implies something is being concentrated and if we use the word attention it means that one is attending to something but that's not that some that we're we are concentrating something so there's a there's that distinction what do you say about it? so concentration yes like you said it's focus so the idea is you're making an effort you're making your conscious mind really focus all your energy towards one particular thing so for example if i'm studying for an exam and i have to focus on whatever subject it's chemistry i have to focus on it single handedly like almost like a laser sharp focus focus and directing all my energy into that you know chemistry problem or the it's a concept or anything like that 
So that is voluntarily making sure that you are putting all your energy with, with your intellect. And that to me is concentration. Now, attention sounds the same, but it's a little bit different because attention is just being aware of where you are on what you are doing more, not necessarily that you have to focus your energy so much in that one area. So that is why it's easier described as uh, awareness because you're just kind of in that moment. For example, if you're going for a walk, then you are going for a walk. You're watching, literally like being aware of your steps, literally being aware of your surroundings, literally being aware of the trees around, the birds and everything, and not letting your mind going away from you or getting away from you and thinking about other things like what happened in the past, what you're going to do the next, uh, after the walk or the future or anything like that. So the best way to describe is putting your whole awareness into that moment, which is a little less exhausting or little less focused because concentration you can only do to up to a certain point, meaning uh, it, it comes in short um, timings. For example, uh, you could focus for 20 minutes at a time, but you know you cannot do it more than that because it's a lot of energy you need to focus on something or concentrate on something. But the same thing, if you pay, just being aware and learning to be in the moment, it comes freely. It's like a flow and it's less, you know, energy is required. In fact, paying attention to every single thing as you go along in life, it'll give you a lot of um, knowledge. You know, you can learn so much from every single experience and you're fully immersed in the experience. So you're not exhausted at all. You're in fact rejuvenated. And so it's kind of re-energizing yourself in, in that activity. So and concentration is required. You know, it's not enough to just pay attention and be in it when you're studying for an exam. You just have to concentrate because you have to learn. You have to memorize it or you have to understand the concept. You're using all parts of the intellect so that you can actually keep that and, you know, um, understand, analyze uh, and, and kind of store it in your memory somewhere for future access, essentially. So that's what it is for me. That's what it is. You know, uh, one of the key goals of Angel Wing is self-mastery. In achieving a state of self-mastery, both of these qualities are, they seem to be required. The ability to concentrate masterfully as opposed to concentrating with tension and agitation. So could you distinguish that? We'll start with that and then, and then I have a follow-up question regarding the attention piece. Yeah, absolutely. So when does stress come in on the, or resistance come in when you're concentrating, I think the first thing is to say that m most of the time, you know, you when you're trying to do things we don't want to do, or you have a time constraint, when I have to take this exam tomorrow, and I have to learn all these concepts now. So you're really trying to use your energy, um, and somewhere in your subconscious, you don't want to. So when there is this kind of a tug of war, then it leads to a lot of stress. But how can you do it a little bit with less effort or effortlessly is when you want to do something, learn that 
chemistry subject for the sake of learning and you want and you uh, develop a passion towards understanding that concept so then it's more joyful so you are not stressed out but you're it's more automatically your energies come in focus and you're learning so much that it's becomes more like a um, rejuvenation again of the energy but it's again because it is so focused on one thing then it becomes a focused concentration but um, a good kind of conversation which is more enjoyable and so going forward when you have to learn different concepts then it becomes easier for you to be in that um, mode. So in listening to this it seems like to me as I hear what you're saying that concentration is a deliberate act and if it is performed the way you're describing it for the beauty of the action to do it properly to do it correctly by keeping the right energy there then there really isn't much tension in that there can be such a state if that's the case even though there is concentrated energy there would you say that when a person finishes the activity one retracts into a state of attention and observation attention observation steadiness you know there's a kind of back and forth we haven't talked much about attention yet but it seems like when the contract when the attention is no longer present on that activity i'm sorry when the concentration is no longer present on the activity there's a retraction of the energy so then what happens to that energy and then how is that related to attention so energy when it's not lost essentially when it's not negative energy meaning you're doing things of negative thoughts or negative you know emotions or anything it doesn't drain so it's still there all the collected energy which is it just comes back more to uh, an, a state of attention being aware being in the moment being in the present state so you want it to come to that state because again it's about life is full of experiences. It doesn't have to be always, you don't, you don't know how, always have to be working towards something because life is really happening at the current moment. There is no future or the past. The things which happen now is it. That is all it is. But the, that is why attention and being aware is so important because then the experiences in the future becomes a pleasant one, becomes beautiful because every experience you're going through it, you're, you're making the best of the present moment. And the because otherwise, think about it. Most of the time, we're not aware of any situation. We're not in the present moment. We're always thinking of the future or we are in the past. And so... And from the past, we're projecting into the future too. So and that's what causes this tension and uh, stress and everything because we're not sure of either. You know, we don't know past is gone already and the future we're not sure. We just hypothesize and we uh, project it based on our past experiences, which is why it gives you this tension or draining of energy and everything if you really stayed in the present moment most of the times the present moment is not so bad even in the toughest experiences it's momentary when it's really bad it passes and then when you're in the moment you can actually utilize that moment more effectively because you can even if it's a tough situation for example you're running away from something some danger or something like that if you're in the present moment then you can come up with so many solutions of actually keeping yourself safe or in 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 those lines i mean that doesn't have to be running away but any problem or solution but when you 
projected in the fact, for example, let's say you have a problem in your work. It's easier when you give examples. Um, and you're immediately starting to think that if I don't solve this problem, my boss is going to be upset with me. My team is going to be upset with me. And then I'm going to, you know, um, project a sorry image in front of the team or in front of my superiors. And then I'm going to get a bad rep and then so I won't get a promotion or I'm going to lose my job. Do you see how series of thoughts develop? And that is what causes your stress and the tension. But if you stayed in the moment and looked at all the pieces very carefully, very, very quietly, very calmly, you find the solution in the problem most of the time. And so you're done. You're calmer. You're already found the problem. And all the things you thought of in the future doesn't happen. So this is why it's important for us to pay attention to every single thing you're doing, even however smallest it could be. It could be as mundane as washing dishes. Why would you want to think about anything else when you're doing that? You can feel the temperature of the water. You can feel what the soap feels like. You can feel... Uh, what the dishes look like when you um, wash it. So even those matter because you're paying attention to the thing then and there's less stress uh, therefore. So I want to see if we can further clarify what we mean by attention. Um, Attention is different from concentration in many ways. It seems to me as you're talking that attention is very much similar if not identical to a state of observation. So certain words are in parallel, or they're kind of really together. Attention, observation, awareness, a word that you used. Another word is choiceless awareness, which you are familiar with also in Buddhism even, and some other teachers have talked about that. Choicelessness is a state. It's a state of total observation, seeing things as they are without bias, without distortion. Uh, and f- from what I've understood over the years, that's there's a great deal of energy that is present in such a state because there isn't the twists and turns. So this is a big discussion, obviously, but I want to see if we can just further open, just carefully, maybe a little bit slowly, what we mean by attention, what is that state of attention? Because in the dialogue that we're engaged in, we're asking uh, the listeners, as well as the two of us here right now, to be in that state, to really be attentive and reflective and look and observe. Uh, so. The other point is, of course, that the word attention is a descriptor to something. All words are descriptors to a certain state of mind, state of vision, state of being, right? So I thought maybe you can elaborate a little bit more on this because uh, bias is a big problem. I mean, I think without getting into too much technical lingo, bias is a massive problem. Maybe if I look at myself, like in the last podcast, I was mentioning about a couple of things, and I can see the difficulties that I've gone through. Well, most people have gone through all kinds of things in, in their life. Can we look at them as they are without getting stuck in them? You know, so that's another, and again, this can, conversation can go into many dire- directions, but we don't want to just be conceptual. We want to really kind of perhaps probe into the meaning of the word attention. Uh, to see if we can dive into it a little bit further. Dr. Shade. Yeah, absolutely. Um, That is so correct. That is absolutely right. So when when you are in a conversation with somebody or when you're even in a situation, are you really observing observing anything without judgment, without any uh, preconceptual 
you know, ideas, most of the time we are not. No. And that is the problem. That is why we are not in it because we already form an image about certain things. Even for example, if you're going for a walk and you're looking at the trees, you're looking at, you're comparing it with something which you already seen. For example, you have, you know, let's say you have the tree, you say, okay, I have seen this tree somewhere else and the name of the tree is this. And then that tree in that area where I saw had a bird on it or a fruit in it or so on. So I think it, you're very right when you say that pure observation is really looking at it for exactly the way it is and with no preconceptual ideas or comparison or judgment or anything. And that's difficult because a lot of times we don't know we're doing it. And so that is why this conversation and dialogues are important. So can we, for the next moment, look at wherever we are and whatever we are doing with completely the way it is, without judging it. The reason for that or the, uh, the advantage to doing that is then we learn so much about that present, from the present observation that you never knew before. So that is why it's important. Um, for example, even the tree I was talking about, can you look at the same, that tree with just the leaves, just with the, the flowers they have, just for what they are and not have to name it or not have to come up with an idea about what the tree means to me. I think it also stems a lot of times with a little bit of insecurity we have every time that we need to know what we're looking at. We need to already have an idea about what we are you know, listening to or what you're hearing and things like that. So it's an automatic thing your mind does because it wants some kind of familiarity where you're going to give you that sense of, I would say peace or, you know, you know, kind of like an, um, um, I wouldn't call it big as self-esteem, but somewhere there is a satisfaction of saying that, ha, I know this, you know, so we got to get away from it more and more if you really want to learn new things or we want to, you know, look at things exactly the way they are. And that is why these things become so advantageous when we are paying attention to things exactly the way they are and the, the way they seem at that point. So you learn more um, by even being in the same, this, the, the, you, you may have walked through that garden like a 10 times already, but every time you learn a new thing and that's because you're paying attention and then you lose attention. You're paying attention and you lose attention. Even when you're reading a book, you could have read that page like literally like 15 times already, but, it, but every time you look at it, you learn something new. And this is because we are not looking at or reading the page word by word with least of the, you know, bias, you can call it, or even paying full attention to every word. We lose the focus. We lose, not focus again, we lose the attention to it. Our mind wanders off into something else. And even if you're trying to do the best and your mind is always working behind to give you certain uh, pointers, when you're, you know, going through this observation. So it's an art. Again, everything needs to be developed. I'm not 100% at it too. It's just a way of, you know, kind of developing as you go along because it's really beautiful. The experiences are just amazing when you're in the moment, in, you know, non... So you learn more from these things than reading books. 
you know from others written because everybody remember writes it from their perspective but what is your perspective and with complete and a non-biased opinion about anything and that's the, there's a joy in it there is a um there is a kind of like a sense of wonder you know so which comes up with it and learning from it it gives you a new sense of joy so i i think this is a developed habit but it's very very um useful more than useful i think it's I can I guess it is useful because you keep learning from the same experience in different ways as you go along. So when we are using the word bias we to observe something with bias that means to observe it means to observe through a certain lens certain viewpoint certain kind of memory perhaps or even a certain experience because of the way we want to look at certain things not to see it in its entirety so, uh, an, att an attentive state of mind is observing things as they are and is in contact with them directly isn't, isn't that so so why does that not happen i mean why is there bias anyway what do you say about that I think like I was saying the bias is because most of us haven't really spent time introspecting about where these thoughts come from why do we have certain belief systems why do we have certain ideas created and most of it comes gives us this sense of I would say insecurity or an easy kind of a restless feeling because this doesn't come from from our own introspection it usually comes from other people's ideas and whatever you made out of it and so that is kind of like gives you that sense of the best way to describe for me is you know it's fluctuating it is not constant so when you are looking at things when you're looking at people you want to give that sense of i would say um is it security or sense of feeling that i know this which makes it feel better or saying i i i know this also this way there is some concept i have about this i don't think we are taught in the society to say i don't know mm. and that means that it's okay to say i don't know in fact the more i don't knows you have the more you that's the beginning of learning i think we're all taught that you're dumb if you say i don't know and so we want to form have some preconceived ideas and based on what i don't even know so i think it comes from there so there's a distinction between the knowledge that we learn from school let's say our technical knowledge the know-how the day-to-day activities we perform we need knowledge to do that like driving a car learning how to drive a car that's all but more functional knowledge so i would just like to make a distinction between functional knowledge and self knowledge see if we can distinguish between the two knowing oneself know thyself like if i know how to drive a car that doesn't mean i know myself i just know how to how to drive a car pretty well let's say if i, if I you know within speed limits and and the mechanics of it but knowing oneself 
would would require recognition of what is meant by bias and recognizing bias directly, bias or narrow vision, uh, twisted mindsets, twisting of energy, turning of turning of inner inner process, all of that activity that's going on. We're just talking about bias right now, because if, if we want to evolve into a state of choiceless awareness, awareness without bias, without any kind of distortion, if they're assuming there is such a such a thing, then such a such a state would be desirable. Why? I mean, why does why should one desire that? Let's let's start with that. Why should even one desire a clear, attentive, choiceless awareness state? And we'll get into what is meant by choiceless awareness also a little bit further. I mean, why should I want that? I mean, so I think the reason to want it is again the more we know ourselves i think the more we can live with a lot of things which goes on inside of us for example if we have fears about certain things if we don't face the fear as fear itself where it's coming from um what are my thoughts telling me about the fear um and where are they where is it coming from is it from a past memory is it from a past something happened and then how the mind made up that situation and how it recorded in the memory and and was there any basis to it because even in the most difficult cases like you know unsolved cases or solved cases where people have gone through murders and you know things like that the mind is very protective about ourselves so it 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 doesn't always give you the facts it makes up a lot of stuff so you can live with it because it's it and the and the um reason is it's trying to protect us from something at least it thinks that way mm-hmm. uh, it's trying to protect us from danger it's trying to protect us from some kind of an you know incoming disaster or something big like that but if when you go to the depth of it if to see for fear itself most of the time when you use these techniques of introspection and go to the root of it you r- really figure out that it's all a makeup of the mind you know layers after layer and when you go to the depth of it there's nothing there and it is completely you're you're free of it you're free of that emotional density as i call it which was keeping you from doing a lot more things in life being more expansive going out and experiencing more and more of things so i think it limits you from living the best life you can live so i think that is why it's important for us to want to desire to you know go into this deeper you know way of looking at ourselves and self awareness because the more you do it the more you figure out about yourselves and how your mind works so that is one of the reasons why you want to be aware of every thought going through your brain and and sometimes when you do when we, you become habituated in doing that you really wonder where, where these thoughts come from and it's all made up and even giving attention to those will dissipate it and it will not be there anymore it may come a few more times but you keep saying that this doesn't make sense and you know i'm going to let it go that kind of thing just an intention you feel lighter and now you're ready to go and in you know um go into a new adventure experience more experiment more everything doesn't becomes a limitation anymore so when there's more limitations because of the fear of 
experiencing something so bad that it's going to destroy you, then you don't want to go anywhere. So you become more, less, you know, less of an experiential life. And I think the worst part is when you don't examine, you know, your life as much, then it's not that everybody needs to be living a certain life, but it could be different it could be more challenging it could be more it could be wonderful it could be more of a you know um higher you know experiences you can have it could be much more than what you're living right now so i think that is what is the benefit of going in and examining and you know being more aware whether you call it choiceless awareness um, that is just being less biased so that experiential knowledge is much much more beneficial than bookish knowledge remember the books people who wrote the books had it their own experiences they wrote the book while it's helpful a little bit all these self-development books but you cannot take it as a uh, bible like where you're going to say okay this is how it's supposed to be it never is because we're all such unique creatures we have it could be like a base for you to go inwards but beyond that it's more of everything you want to examine yourself that is why it has to be more experiential at every level at every minute uh, than otherwise yes um, the word experiential is very powerful because life is experience all the way around um, nothing happens to us uh, without experience. I mean, uh, everything that we live through is a form of experience. But nonetheless, in in an attentive or very aware state, the experiences, they come and they go. Nonetheless, they do not contaminate the inner space. So is there a state of non-contamination? And then also, what we again, when we use the word contamination, it's like an impression that's left. Someone says something to me in a nasty way, or hurtful way or something, or then I feel it. So my space, is, my inner world has gotten changed right away. Or I see something on TV or I see something outside. And by seeing that or by hearing that, I, I, there's a change inside. And so we go through these changes all the time, uh, which is kind of natural, really, you know, based on our programming conditioning. But are we saying, I mean, are you saying that there really is a self-mastery state where the inner world remains uncontaminated? Or if you want to use that word contamination in relation to attention, and then, of course, the application of one's energy with regards to concentration. So you can see the link there. I don't know what you want to say about this. Absolutely. So yes, we are, it is, it is our programming. It is the conditioning. We are raised in society with our parents, peers, the world, everything. And many of these things we're taught to feel a certain way. I don't think we have experience we have explored our inner self to see am I really supposed to feel this way if something bad happens outside we are programmed to say that that's natural that I have to feel this way but I'm not sure about it again if you examine deeper for what it is exactly I can control my emotions I don't have to feel hurt why do I have to feel hurt I think the reason and that's one reason now the other reason is most of the time when somebody says anything to us something hurtful 
we think there's something wrong with us and that is why they are saying it. We forget the fact that it's nothing to do with us. It is their mental state which is making them behave a certain way and they are picking on something which is not even there in you. So even if one is aware of that fact that it is not my internal state, it is their internal state for their behavior and so I have control over my internal environment and that is when I can choose to not get hurt. I can choose to respond differently instead of reacting. And I can choose a whole bunch of things like that. You know, what thoughts I can allow them to enter, what kind of emotions I can feel. And this we don't know. We're never taught these things because people never think about it. But this comes with self-exploration and say, hey, wait a minute. Why do I, and, and this is evident, for example, if some, somebody who's a loved one is, and you love them so much is saying something, you're not going to feel that hurt. But if it was somebody else who had no relationship and say something, you would be angry with them. You would be frustrated, never see them and want to see them again. Why is that? If, if that is, if the outside is so important than our internal environment, that doesn't make any sense. So that is why I said that the, the internal state of each person is the cause of how we feel. So the internal state of that person was making them behave a certain way. It's my internal state why I can take some things very easily and why I don't take some things very easily. So this is where the bias comes. So if we are non-biased, it would just be an experience of them saying what it is and I can guard myself not to respond a certain way in both in both situations. So this is why the self-mastery is so key, such a key uh, point, you know, where you are neutral, you are always steady, where you're not subjective to other people's behavior, other people's words, other people's anger, other people's frustration. Uh, and the same goes with the positive stuff too. And somebody is praising you, you know, in and out and everything. You don't, yes, you're happy because it's praise. It's good stuff, positive emotions. But you don't want it to take it and get attached to it so much that the next time that same person could be behaving differently because of their inner state. And now you're allowing yourself to go deeper in the negative state. So you're going like a seesaw. So this is why the neutral state is important. And, you know, when you can be neutral about it, whether it's a praise or a compliment or it is something negative somebody's telling yourself. Now, it's take, it takes time to attain that state. It's not, comes doesn't come in a day. But being attentive, being aware of this fact gives you a chance, give you a situation to choose what you want, how, how you want to respond. And this is why, this is, kind of heading towards self-mastery um so that's i think what mm -hmm. yes uh definitely self-mastery again the two words two words for yourself and mastery mastery again refers to a state of masterfully navigating the experience of life this is a bigger broader way of kind of <laughs> talking about it to masterfully navigate the the interactions with others and day-to-day -day experiences without getting drawn into a vortex of the experience 
is self-mastery, the way I understand. I want to say something about this, and then maybe you can connect that to concentration that we were originally talking about, because we are interacting you know, throughout the day with different, different people. We have to use our concentration ability. So what is the relationship between self-mastery and concentration also? So concentration is a function of the mind, a function of the function of the brain. So when you are talking about self-mastery and how you can masterfully navigate your way through the day, let's take a day, because literally you have your whole life, you know, carved out in a day. That's what, and when you go from day to day, that's life. So how you could do it is you can use being, so the first job is to, not job, the first is to pay attention, being aware, being aware of your thoughts, where they're going, what's happening with you, what's happening when somebody's um, behaving a certain way and how are you responding. So it's observation about every aspect of yourself and the others. And concentration is a function when you can use to achieve different things in your life, which you want, because you want to use this faculty, the intellect, which is with the intelligence or the intellect to the, your advantage. It's been given for that so that you can achieve things, so mathematical, scientific, whether it's computers, whatever you can do. But the concentration has to be more, again, you know, it doesn't have to be biased. You can just use it effectively to periodically during the day as and when you need to. And then withdraw into yourself and then stay in the same you know, mode of awareness or attention or observation where you have the capacity now to navigate um, other people's responses because that's what happens. Most of the time, if you're in a hermit, you're in a mountain, you're somewhere else all by yourself, you may become a master of yourself because you're not triggered by anybody and you can achieve, achieve the sense of peace. You're doing all the right things, but the real the real test comes when other people are around you and how you navigate your way through the day with the others behaving a certain way. So I think that's the advantage of how you can navigate between paying attention and awareness, uh, again, non-biased, like we d talked about, and then concentrating as you go along to achieve your goals, whatever you've you know designed yourself for. And come back again when you go to sleep you introspect about how your day went, and this is, um, and the, and and this is not easy, obviously, because you have certain. Um, the best way to describe is you have accumulated over time, in your subconscious mind, a lot of these heavy emotions because of experience you've had in the past when you didn't have this, this um, notion or this concept of how you could be aware and how you could use this awareness and you could use this faculty so those will come into play each time that's how you get triggered but as long as you recognize it each time that it's coming from your subconscious mind and release it or recognize and let go of it I think then you become more masterful as you go along and you know yeah. the subconscious reprogramming starts happening because now you're in charge of your subconscious mind also slowly you have access to it more because you're recognizing where it's coming from and you're not giving it any any fuel to keep going and becoming worse you're just letting it go it's like because you're aware of it oh it's coming from there i'm going to let it go but i'm going to still respond so it's more this is a lifetime thing we're talking about, you know, when you're navigating yourself. So even if you're busy, doesn't mean 
you know, going from one thing to the other, you can still do this constantly during the day. So essentially, you want to live your whole life in one day because every day is your life. As I said, this is only living in the present moment. We don't know about tomorrow. I'm not sure if I'm alive tomorrow. So I want to live your whole life in a day. And imagine if you did that every single day, that's your life. And you're living the best, higher ver highest version of your life every day. And what is the advantage of it is because you're feeling like you're all powerful. You know, you're feeling like you are in charge. And that's a good way to live rather than not knowing what your life is going. It's somebody steering your boat and you're just going up and down, up and down the waves. And you just you know, afraid all the time. I think that's the key. You're fearful all the time about what's coming around the corner instead of being as a, being in awe of it and, you know, being in wonder and finding it more challenging, um, you know, things like that. So I think that's why it's important for us to, you know, look at these things. Yes, there is certainly, a, certainly a, a great sense of awe and great sense of uh, self-discovery. Self-discovery is very powerful. Um, there's a freedom in that from what you're saying in, in the dialogue that we're having so far. There is a uh, embedded or like an underlying freedom that one can not simply experience, but one can live that freedom. One can be in that freedom. Um, choiceless state uh, is a it sounds like it's a really pure, very, very intense state of clarity. Things are very clear, you know, how they're interconnected. And we're just speaking in general terms right now. The specifics could go on, I mean, endlessly. There's, you, know, you take any one issue like anger or frustration or a conflict or something like that. It can, you can talk about those things in other ways. But so, so a state of clarity is a goal. Uh, why does the mind not stay in that state, even if there might be a glimpse of it? It, it tends to revert back again and again to its disordered, it's confused, it's conflicted, it's conditioned, it's, you know, it's old pattern state, which usually causes problems for people. Why does that happen? Why should that even happen? And are you also saying that a state of pure awareness or state of attention, clarity, if truly one evolves or opens that up, that one will not revert back into that? That's the question. No, we are going to keep reverting back to that because that is what the mind does. That's the monkey mind we're talking about. So but why is it doing that? Because that's how we are programmed. The thoughts are constantly coming up and... I think if we learn how to not feed it or identify with each thought thinking that, oh my goodness, this is something big that I have to really solve it when things come you know, uh, up, that's the problem. So every time the thought comes, we feed it. That means you identify the thought with whatever previous memory, it carries baggage, then you keep going back to it. It, it connects to another thought, then it connects to another thought. So the thought loop going from one to the other is the problem because again and again, you're getting caught up in this mind chatter or the loops. Now, if we decided to take a step back, that's what we call it awareness and observation. We just let it pass as just thoughts like somebody else's thought or people watching or watching fishes go in a fish tank. Then we realize that after a while, the thoughts stop. 
This is how one of the techniques of meditation happens. It is just observing your thoughts. But the problem is we're not taught that. We want, we get into our mind in the sense that we caught up in our thoughts because we didn't, firstly, we don't know we're separate from it. No, we are not taught to even observe these thoughts, saying that we can observe these thoughts. So when you do that, you realize that there is another deeper part of you which can actually observe your thoughts, observe your mind, observe your body, like you're looking at your body parts. So that itself, you will clarify the fact that there is something else. You're something else, not just your mind or your body. So when you realize that and you practice more and more about letting go of these thoughts, not not identifying with it or caught up in it, the thought loop and, you know, give it, you can call it feeding it. You can give it, saying that trying to process through it or analyze it whatever words you want to call it you ha- the only way to thought stop the thought loop is to really stand take a step back and observe them and before you know it it starts dissipating because you're not really thinking through it but the problem what happens is when you have a problem you think thinking through is going to give you a solution a lot of times it's not it's basically calming yourself down letting go of that and that's why we tell people, you know, people always say that, sleep it off. What does that mean? When you sleep, you disconnect from your mind. And that will give you a clarity about the deeper, you know, your deeper self, which is the one which is going to give you solution, you know, in the next coming days or whenever it's necessary. So the looping is the problem, which is giving you this confu- confusion, which is causing this whole dilemma, this whole problem where which is why we can get clarity and a lot of people that's why will come and say I cannot meditate it drives me crazy if if I sit now for five minutes that's too long even a couple of minutes I just feel like everything is coming at me all these problems and I have no solution so I get up and go so this is why because you feed each thought you think through it and then it's exhausting can you imagine thinking through 68,000 thoughts a day that is why we have no energy and that's why people can't sleep. People cannot, that's even worse because remember sleep is the time you disconnect from your mind. If you don't even have sleep, then it's, you know, a lot of issues. So that leads to chemical issues in your body. And so the body starts getting affected. So people start getting diseases and imagine living a life of confusion every day. So a lot of times people think this is life. This is you, meaning this is them and want a reprieve so they try to kill themselves like oh i can't live this life this is what if this is if the mind is me and this confusion is me i am no way going to put up with this and you know kill ourselves so i think this is why it's important for us to learn this concept about the fact that we are not what we think you know in this way all right that is a beautiful podcast we want to thank dr chetna krupalu from the Angel Wing program. She is the founder and CEO of the Angel Wing LLC. Please do visit the website www.theangelwing.com and we would love to hear from you. Please do sign up for our newsletter. Please do stay in touch with us and if you are interested in dialoguing, please do log on to our evening dialogue sessions. The schedule is on the website. Thank you for your time.